Hi, I'm Alex Ditch, and this is Season 1, Episode 2 of Freak Me Out, a pop culture podcast on horror. A couple of things that I need to share with you guys. Um, You can probably tell I'm a little hoarse. My voice is slowly returning to me. (coughs) I got laryngitis, I think, from allergies, which have been hitting Houston super, super hard in the past couple of weeks. Um, I also hit a vape pen from Steve Cantwell that I'm pretty sure immediately um, gave me lung cancer. So that is, uh, that's also a possibility. Be careful. Be careful out there, guys. Um, Steve's a goblin who wants to seduce you with, uh, with his, with his terrible, terrible vape. No, I'm just kidding. We had a great time. It was a good time. Um, anyway, so there's, that's item number one. Item number two is that I haven't released an episode of this since March 9th, and it is now April 6th at the time that I'm recording this. Um, that's too long, and I've been told, like, in everything I've ever read, they say the most important part, you know, the, the best way to a successful podcast is creating a relationship of trust between you and your audience, and the way to do that is by being consistent, showing up on time, releasing your podcast episodes on a schedule, and being faithful to that schedule. Well, I, I didn't do that. I'm not doing that, guys. It's, I, I want to. I wanted to. I watched the movie on time. But then my life got stupid. It's been so crazy. I, I, it's, man, y'all know it's been crazy. It's been so crazy. I've done a lot in the past few weeks. Um, I was very comfortably unemployed. I did not, I was not aggressively applying for jobs. I'll admit that. Don't tell, don't tell my mom, but it's true. I was kind of just sitting here really ready to be on unemployment until it ran out and just do comedy and do a podcast and chill and, and be super, super happy collecting money from the government. But then uh, someone got me an interview and then I got a job and that happened in like the span of three days. Like it was like, oh, you have an interview and now you have a second interview and a third interview and now you have a job. Um, so that was, that was totally unexpected and wild. And it's a, it's a great job and I'm super excited about it. It's been going great. I've been at it for about a week and a half and uh, it's, it's amazing. The other thing that happened is I got a car, which you would think would uh, only bring positive things. uh, But the the one negative thing is that I can go out more, which means I have less time to sit on my ass and record a podcast. People expect me to be places now that I have a car. So, yeah, that's 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 the second one. And then third, I've just been having a great time. Not that I don't love you. You guys are amazing. If you listen to the first one and now you're listening to this one, like, I don't deserve you, truly. It's truly true. I don't deserve it. Um, I think, I don't know if when I recorded the previous one, if I had been doing the door at the riot shows yet, Um, but I've been doing that too, which there's another one coming up this Saturday. Um, This Saturday is going to be April 10th. 
Um, and that's going to be a good time over at Rudyard's. That's the riot. You can look them up at the riot HTX uh, and, and come to that because it's great. And uh, it's super fun. I've been able to uh, meet people and get, get experience that uh, I otherwise wouldn't. So I'm super grateful to be, to be a part of uh, Brian and Drew's little baby, the riot. It's a, it's a beautiful baby. And I'm having a great time with it. Now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the 1982 film Poltergeist. Before I get into it, I'm going to talk about this movie in detail. You know, there's going to be spoilers. That's that's important for you to understand. If you don't want to hear about everything that happens in the movie Poltergeist, go away. Turn this off. Go listen to... um, Man, you could listen to Mark Maron's podcast, What the Fuck. Um, that's probably one of my my personal favorites. I listen to it every Monday and Thursday. So you can listen to that instead of this if you don't want to hear about Poltergeist. Also, probably maybe just because it's better than this <laughs> would be another reason. So there are a lot of valid reasons to turn this off and turn on um, Mark Maron's podcast, What the Fuck. Um, but in case you didn't do that and you're still here now, um, thanks. And also, let's talk about Poltergeist. So this movie came out in the summer of 1982. It was directed by Toby Hooper, but nerds tell me that Steven Spielberg had a big hand in directing it as well. Big hand? Weird. Had a hand had a hand in it. He had a hand in the directing of this movie. So I'm told. Um, If not, don't blame me. Blame the nerds that private messaged me when I said I was watching this movie. Um, Is this movie scary? Yeah. It's a scary-ass movie. This movie freaked me out. It really did. Uh, There are some pretty disturbing things that occur in this film, uh, and I'll talk about some of the most disturbing things later on in the podcast. Um, so the most noteworthy star, in my opinion, is Craig T. Nelson. He's been consistently working since this movie, and uh, the other people who are in this movie are amazing, and they deliver incredible performances. Um, and so they're not less valid, they're just less famous. Like, uh, the, the mother is played by Joe Beth Williams, who I don't know who she is, but maybe some of you uh, old folks who were lucid in the 80s and 90s will know who she is. Uh, I don't. I was born in 1992. So I don't believe she was relevant at the time. And if you hate that, you can email me at freakmeoutpod at gmail.com to tell me um, that it's okay that I was wrong and if you, uh, you know, you could send me, send me flowers to my job to, for, to, con, you know, console me on, on being so ignorant. That would be nice. Anyway, it's got a freshness rating of 86% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 79% fresh from audiences, which is pretty good. The movie's fresh. Um, why did I choose it? This is a classic film. Um, I think that I would be, uh, I would really be failing at my, my job that I have given myself of, of learning about horror if I didn't watch this movie. I'm amazed that I hadn't already seen it. 
Um, it's been recommended to me by everybody uh, who matters. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, was, it was like a no-brainer to, to watch this one. Um, a brief synopsis. A family unwittingly disturbs some very angry ghosts. They are terrorized by 80s special effects until they uncover a terrible secret that holds the key to their escape. Um, <clears throat> essentially, the family is having a great life. You, you, the, this movie, you, you're emotionally invested in this family within the first 10 minutes. You see um, the, the mom, you know, getting the kids out the door, getting them ready for school, right? She's, the bird, the pet bird has died. Oh, wait, no, they don't go to school at the first, at the beginning. At the beginning, there's no school, right, on this day. I think maybe it's a Sunday. Dad's watching football. That's a Sunday thing, right? I don't know. Well, the, the family pet bird dies, and uh, mom's about to flush this bird down the toilet when little baby girl, five-year-old baby girl, sees mom and is like, oh, no, no, no. You are not flushing Tweety down the toilet, which is the name of the bird. I remember the name of the bird, but not the kid. That's kind of weird. The kid's name is Carol Ann. I just read it in my notes. But yeah, anyway, the, the, I didn't need to read the, the bird's name. I didn't even write that down. It just that stuck with me. I don't know. So yeah, that you see the mom, um, you know, they're going to give the bird a proper burial. She's talking her little five-year-old daughter through grief and, and processing this with her and kind of being uh, a mom that's not real sure what to do. And you can see the 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 vulnerability in that moment and it's it's very powerful and it feels really earnest um then you see you know how how the daughter bounces back and how the son who i think is seven years old um is kind of a punk but also kind of tender and it's just really sweet it's really really sweet um the dad is having a feud with their neighbor because their remote controls control each other's TVs, an antiquated problem, um, which is really interesting to see. Like this movie is a visual time capsule. There's so much there that that that's very interesting. Like at one point you see a bag of Cheetos that is branded with the '80s branding. <coughs> I know I'm a big nerd, but I love seeing that shit. I think that is so interesting. Seeing the fashion and, you know, the style of the homes and the way that they speak and, you know, all of that just really turns me on. I love to see it. So this, oh man, the second thing that really got me into this family, the use, so at bedtime, they put babies to bed, right? Uh, teenage daughter gets caught talking on the phone when she shouldn't be. And uh, mom and dad get stoned and are goofy together. And are so clearly and beautifully in love. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're laughing. And then they get interrupted by a little kiddo. And you see the, the father just be an amazing father. His son is scared by the thunder and lightning. And, you know, the dad is teaching him, like, when you hear the thunder, you start counting. And then, you know, that'll tell you how far away it is. Like, you count between the thunder and the lightning. So if it if the number goes up, then you know that the storm is moving away and it soothes his kid. And it, it's so beautiful. They spend a lot of time on establishing that, you know, th- these people are real people and they do an amazing job of it. You hardly see that now. I, I don't know. That's 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 how I feel. That's my opinion. Um, but it, 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 see, it really 
struck me. I didn't expect that from this movie going into it. I didn't think that it was going to get me as emotional as it did. This movie made me cry repeatedly. It, it's it's very, very intense. So <clears throat> the ghosts... <clears throat> The ghosts initially target the youngest child, the daughter, Carol Ann. Um, she ends up being taken by the ghosts. And um, she's kind of like in another dimension, it seems. And uh, the family's really freaking out. You know, the paranormal activity in the house has is increasing, seemingly. Um, and, you know, Carol Ann is, is not around, but they, they can talk to her through the static on the TV. Um, and at one point... They hire a, a team of investigators, right? And they're showing these investigators through the house and kind of explaining to them how they've acclimated to this new normal. And it's intensely relatable. Like, they, they've learned to live with this haunting. They've learned how to communicate with their baby. And it, 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 it highlights, like, the resilience of the human spirit and our propensity for hope. And uh, I think that it, that that on its own illustrates kind of like I, I feel like the the main point of this movie is that you can find joy and hope inside of grief. Like this is a movie about loss and it's very, very powerful. You, you, it's not just a shitty throwaway uh, jump scare movie. It this it. I don't know. It's it's extremely impactful. It's now one of my favorite movies of all time. Probably in my top 10, if not top 5. So, the first thing that made me cry. Um, so, Carol Ann gets taken, and they can't find her, and it's it's really fucked up, right? They, they figure out that Carol Ann is in the TV. Um, probably one of the scariest moments in the movie, the, the, the face on the little boy when he realizes that his sister's voice is coming from the static in the TV. He is also, he's covered in his own blood at that point because of something that happened to him. And uh, it's just, it's absolutely haunting. It is fucking freaky. But yeah, so, so um, at one point, they bring in this team of paranormal investigators and they begin to talk to Carol Ann and, um, you know, try to try to figure out what exactly is going on. The mother is standing at the foot of the stairs and you hear kind of like a, a gust of wind welling up and you see, you know, her hair is blown back by this force that seems to come down the stairwell. And then the mother turns around to after it passes, she turns around to her husband and to the paranormal investigators and she is just like a wash with peace, which is not what you would expect, right? This is a, a creepy, scary thing that just happened. And yet she, she just is like excited and she's crying and she pulls her scarf up to her face and she says that, that her baby passed through her and she takes a big whiff of it and smells it and says, smell this, that's, smell this, that's my baby. And she's showing it to her husband and he smells it and, and they're just, it's like, they're just so overjoyed to have been reunited and even in that small way with their daughter. And that was so gut-wrenching. That, that really fucked me up. I was weeping. Um, it's very, very emotionally intense. 
Another thing that's interesting about this movie is that greed is punished in this film. Um, you see, so th- there are a couple ways. There's one really obvious way, which I'll get into in a minute. But the first thing that I noticed um, was that w- one of the investigators starts to, he's going through the fridge, like he's eating like a bunch, right? So m- maybe even gluttony a little bit is punished. But he's just like going on a rampage. And uh, he goes into the family's fridge and pulls out a steak. And he's going to try to cook a steak, right? So this prompts a particularly violent incident for him. Um, arguably one of the most disturbing things that happens in this movie, right? So he, uh, the steak, he puts it on the counter and it starts kind of like folding out on itself. Like it's blending itself from the inside out. It's very creepy, very disturbing. Um, and then you see it's like moving around on the counter. It's like super gross. Well, the guy notices and then... <coughs> He goes into the bathroom and his face starts melting off and he's he's like peeling and clawing at chunks of his face and and pulling the flesh off of his skull. And you see like this chunks of flesh falling into the sink and it's oh man, it's so gross. It's really, really nasty. Um, but it turns out that he was hallucinating. Right. So he kind of comes back from it. And is like, oh, shit, that sucked, <laughs> right? Not good. Um, he ends up not coming back to the house. Like, it freaks him out so bad. He's like, I'm never going there again. But I feel like these ghosts were, were punishing his greed, right? That's, that's my opinion. Like, you're going to take food from this family? Like, screw you, man. Get out of here, right? That's, that's, that's what I think. So we find out that... Greed is kind of the source of the entire problem, right? Um, the The beginning of the paranormal activity was prompted by the family digging a pool in their backyard, right? So you see the bulldozers coming in and it kind of, it, it precedes everything going crazy. Um, when the bulldozer starts to turn the dirt, you see the little cigar box that they had buried the Tweety in at the beginning of the movie and uh, that's a little bit of foreshadowing because it turns out that the real estate developer got a good deal on the land by building it on top of a cemetery and cutting costs by only relocating the headstones rather than the entire graves. Um, The name of the development is actually called Cuesta Verde which can mean green hills but the word Cuesta can also refer to cost hinting at it being like, you know, this is a green deal. This is a thrifty thing that we're doing, right? So their house has been built on top of graves. It's hinted at several times in the movie. Like at one point, a bunch of jewelry of varying ages falls through a portal in the, in, you know, one of the rooms, like just all this jewelry and a very, very, very old piece. And then something that's less than 10 years old. So these graves were not even, you know, it wasn't even an inactive cemetery. It was like, a recently active cemetery that they built over. Very, very bad. <clears throat> so I got a little off track. I'm supposed to be talking about the things that I liked, but I just am talking about everything. This, this movie got me so excited, guys. This movie got me so excited. Um, so the, another, the, another thing that I liked, aside from all of that, um, is that this movie shows us solidarity between women. 
um, you see female leaders, right? The mom is vulnerable, but also fiercely protective and intelligent, right? Then the leader of the paranormal investigator group, who is legit, um, she is an older lady, right? She speaks to the mother and encourages her, and they're like, they, they have a bond that, that's really awesome. Um, the, the, what's, what's it called? Oh, the, there's a medium, a medium that comes in, um, that helps them get the baby back. They end up getting Carol Ann back from, from inside the portal, right? Um, the medium is a woman. She's of very small stature and, uh, she is a fucking boss. So you see a lot of strong women in this movie. And it it doesn't make the men in the movie any less strong. Like, Craig T. Nelson, still a, an absolute boss, right? It, it's, it's, I, it's so beautiful to see that. I love that. I really, 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 really love it. Um, there, there's also, so I mentioned before that, that they do a really good job of making the characters human and endearing, right, and earnest. Toward the end of the movie, when when they're deciding they're they're gonna move, right? They're they're packing up the moving truck and everything. Um, they the husband and wife are standing there, you know, facing each other outside the moving truck, and they just they look into each other's eyes and mouth "I love you" to each other instead of actually saying it. And that that plus like, there's a moment where everybody falls asleep. You know, when, when the, the paranormal investigators are staying at the house and they show the the leader of the paranormal investigators scratch her nose and in, in her sleep and kind of like adjust. That's brilliant. That is just a brilliant way to humanize these people. Um, fun fact. This is another thing I like. Craig T. Nelson is the voice of Mr. Incredible. I'm a super fan of Mr. Or of the Incredibles and I love that. So instead of talking about what I didn't like about this movie, because I think there's, I don't think there's anything I didn't like about this movie. I love this movie. Um, instead of that, I'm going to talk about when I cried. So I already talked about when Carol Ann passed through her mother's soul, you know, at this, on this, at the stairs. Um, I was a little baby, right? Later on, the little brother, Robbie, or, you know, the, the middle child, the brother, Robbie, um, is asking his mother and the investigator about death and about seeing his sister. And he, he asks things like, if I die, will I get to see Carol Ann? I'm actually, I, that's making me tear up just talking about it. Um, and, like, he's talking about how he can reconnect with, with his sister who he believes has passed. And uh, his mom and the investigator are saying, you know, she's not dead, baby. And uh, just the the understanding of grief and love and the innocence of, of, of the child in that moment and the compassion of the adults to, to explain death and, you know, a, a, a unique and not, not overly religious or atheistic, um, you know, take on, on the afterlife. Um, it really, really got me. It's making me emotional now. It's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, and then there, the third time that I cried during this movie um, was directly after they get Carol Ann, the little girl, back. Um, the family has a moment in the bathtub. Carol Ann and her mother have, have passed through this portal. The mother went through a portal to, to get Carol Ann back. They come out, you know, using a rope 
and they're covered in like a pinkish goo, which really feels like a birth metaphor, right? And then the dad, they, they get them into the bathtub and the dad is trying to rouse them both, right? And, um, you know, there's a moment where you're kind of like, ooh, are they going to make it? Like, did they die in there? Like, what the hell is going to happen? So they have to be wiped off and encouraged to breathe, just like a, a newborn baby. And uh, when Carol Ann finally opens her eyes and says, hi, daddy, the reaction on the mother's face just, like, it, it's like it flipped a switch and my eyeballs just melted. I... I was a total mess. I'm so lucky I was alone when I watched these movies and was able to openly break down at at those moments. It's just like the movie is incredible. The movie is incredible. So uh, the next the next segment, I suppose we'll call it, is what what were the scariest scenes, right? And there were a lot of scary moments in this movie. Right. But what I'm going to focus on is what was disturbing. I already mentioned Robbie screaming for his mom in the light of the staticky TV. And while he's covered in mud and his own blood as he's realizing that that Carol Ann's voice is coming out of the television. Right. His the, the look on that kid's face. It I already said it's haunting. It, it will not ever leave my brain. It, it's just fucked up. Um, I mentioned the second thing too. the. Uh, Paranormal investigator pulling the flesh off of his own face in the mirror. That's not something you forget. It was pretty not okay. And not like, wow, goodness sakes. Um, I mean, not, that's not to say that I didn't like it. I loved it. I loved watching it. I'm glad I saw it. But it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> the third thing. Oh, man. Oh, dude. So once the, they, they get Carol Ann back and you kind of get the impression that everything's going to be fine, right? The, the medium is like, this house is clean. She feels like a boss bitch. And honestly, she is. She got a baby back. Like, she deserves the, that feeling. She won the day. But the house was not clean, y'all. There was much more that was going to happen. She was wrong. Her powers were limited. So, yes. She leaves. The family decides they're going to move. They're spending one final night in the house waiting for dad to come back home. I, I think after work, right? On the day that they're going to, you know, peace out. So, Robbie, the little boy, is in his bed. And there's a clown toy, which, why was the clown toy not packed right now, right? There's nothing in the house. You're going to leave out a clown toy? It's awful. Anyway, so he he looks at the clown toy and he's like, this is creepy, right? It, and it is. He was correct. So then he closes his eyes and he hears something and he opens them back up. Clown toy is gone. What the fuck, right? So he's kind of looking around. He's really freaked out. The music gets really intense and he's slowly approaching the end of the bed. And he's going to look under the bed, y'all. He's going to look under the bed. And you feel the tension rising in your chest. Like, fuck, there's going to, the fucking clown doll is going to be under the bed. No. You know, like, it's like, seriously, y'all? Clown? Come on. But then he looks under the bed and there's nothing there. Completely empty. So then he's like, oh, thank God. And he gets up. The clown doll is behind him. It's behind him. 
It was, maybe it was under the bed before, but now it's pouncing on him and they are wrestling and it's super, super fucked up. That scared the shit out of me, guys. That scared the shit out of me. I was like, no, man, you can't. Not a clown doll. A little boy. Come on. Come on. It fucked me up. All right. That's number three. That's the third scariest scene, right? The fourth one comes a little bit after that, right? So shit's going down. We thought we were safe. We weren't safe. It's fucked up, right? Mom has, you know, she's relaxing. She's like, we're about to be out of this house. Everything's going to be fine. I trust my husband. I trust my life. It's going to go back to normal, right? I got my baby back. No. Shit goes down. Mom gets, like, thrown around by, by the spirits, right? It's not cool. Somehow, I don't remember exactly how, she ends up outside, right? She's, maybe she's looking for somebody. I don't know. She slips and falls into the pool that's been half dug, right? It's not a pool. It's a mud pit right now, right? It's been raining. It's a pit of mud. And it's got, like, water that's maybe five feet deep in it, I think, about. So she's in this pool, y'all. And, uh, what's, what's popping up in the pool? What's coming out of the sides of the pool? The mud, the muddy walls of the, of this half dug pool pit? Corpses. Corpses. Skeletons. They're trying to get her, man. A coffin rises up from the ground and opens and a thing comes out trying to get her. Well, maybe that sounds a little hokey to you. This woman looks terrified she's trying to climb up the slope of the half dug pool and she's slipping and falling and you keep thinking like oh she's gonna get away this time and no no she slips and falls she gets back in she tries to climb up the other side she slips and falls she's back in there man she's there right in her face and then oh man the neighbors save her thank god Whew! thank god for that but in the moment it's scary as fuck it is like heart racing moments, moment after moment where they, they get you like, oh, it's going to be okay. And then it's just not over and over and over again. You don't have a second to breathe. It's pretty, pretty damn great. Oh, man, I could I could talk about this movie for for a long time. I have a lot more to say, but I'm going to not say anymore. If you have any comments about the movie Poltergeist, if there's something that, that you want to hear my perspective on, if there's something I said that you hate, something I said that you loved, you can reach out to me at freakmeoutpod at gmail.com. Or if you know me, which you almost certainly do, just uh, shoot me a text. Throw me a, a Facebook message, an Instagram message. If you're young, that would work too. I appreciate you. You listened this far to my inane ramblings and uh for that i think you're probably pretty dumb but um i you know you're the, the the kind of dumb that makes the world go around at least that makes my world go around and i um i love you yep i don't mind being the first to say it i love you <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm going to be back soon. Soon. I think my life is starting to even out. I have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday off at this job, which is pretty, pretty great. 
Um, that means that I have, I'm going to have time during the day on Thursday and Friday to record this podcast and watch lots and lots of scary movies. The next episode that I put out is going to be on the movie Event Horizon. Event Horizon, which I'm betting is a lot less scary than you remember. Old? Yeah, I said it. It's kind of, I mean, it's not that old. It's got Lawrence Fishburne in it. He's pretty young in that movie. I don't know. He's pretty old now. He's not dead, right? I think he's alive. Hold on. I'm going to look that up. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, shit. I know how to work a computer. Come on. Who was the black actor in The Matrix? Come on, guys. No, he's alive. He's 60 years old. Lawrence Fishburne still kicking crushing it, crushed it in Event Horizon, even though that movie sucked pretty hard. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, Lawrence John Fishburne III in Event Horizon. We're going to talk about it next time. Well, I'm going to talk about it and you're going to listen. So thanks. Thank you. Have a, have a good, uh, have a good day. <laughs>